Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with Chris Halleck of SI Fan Nation. How are you doing? Doing great. Great to be with you. Great to talk some baseball today. Again, appreciate you uh, taking the time um, and uh, donating some of your night to me tonight. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and, and uh, if you want to plug any of your work or um, just tell, tell everyone what, the, what, you, what, you're, what you're up to. Yeah, you can follow me at Chris Halleck, uh, last name is spelled H-A-L-I-C-K-E. And uh, you can always find uh, all my uh, Texas Rangers coverage at InsideTheRangers.com, uh, which uh, is under the SI.com uh, domain. So SI.com slash MLB slash Rangers, but InsideTheRangers.com takes you straight there as well. Nice. So this is this is legit. I'm talking to an SI reporter. How long have you been with the Rangers for? I've been covering the Rangers since uh, right after the end of the 2019 season. So I covered them during... Uh, the catastrophe that was the 2020 <laughs> year slash season, uh, if you even want to call it a season. But uh, and then uh, SI went through some changes, and uh, I, I actually have spent the last couple of months looking for another job. But uh, we were able to reunite, and so I'm covering the Rangers again for uh, under the SI uh, platform under their Fan Nation uh, team sites. And so I'm excited to bring Texas Rangers coverage back to the SI Fan Nation brand and. Uh, um, just build off of what we did last year. We did a lot of good stuff and uh, I'm excited to continue to build on, on what we did. Awesome. And I've read some of your work. It's excellent. So let's get right into it. Um, let's talk about some news and notes, what's going on with the Rangers, um, recent signings, any, like, aside from, we can go through the signings and, um, that, that, have, that have occurred, but any recent news in terms of that or injuries, some, anything you can break for us? Uh, nothing new. Uh, I mean, the latest uh, injuries, uh, DeMarcus Evans, who's a, a young pitcher, uh, has a lat injury. Um, he had a potential to uh, – he was at least one of the guys who was going to compete for a spot in the bullpen, one of the final spots in the bullpen, and uh, he's not going to throw off a mound until mid-March. So uh, he won't be in the bullpen come opening day, maybe later on in the season, but not at least not on opening day. And then uh, – uh, Joel Rodriguez is another bullpen option for them. He's dealing with a sprained ankle, so he's behind a little bit. Could still possibly be ready for opening day. <clears throat> um, nothing major right now. Uh, honestly, the, I think they're dealing more with visa delays. Uh, Yang, uh, the guy who they just signed, the, the, the Korean pitcher they just signed on a minor league deal and invite to spring training, he's delayed. And Joel Rodriguez not only has a sprained ankle, but he's delayed right now, so... Um, they're just a, a few hiccups, nothing major. So it's kind of a, an opposite of last season. The Rangers dealt with a lot of injuries last season. And, you know, right now, knock on wood, they're, they're pretty healthy right now. And so uh, that's good news for Rangers fans going in. It's already going to be a, a bumpy season, uh, more or less, but uh, at least they'll be healthy as of right now and hopefully get a good look at uh, all the young players that they have in camp. Right. So these rotisserie leagues that we play, that I'm, that I play in and when the listeners of this show play in are pretty deep, they go like 750 players deep. So DeMarcus Evans was one of the guys that I was drafting mm -hmm. um, as sort of a late round sleeper that I expected him to, to do well and potentially be a closer. I was even drafting him last year because of just looking at his numbers in the minor leagues or just the, the strikeout numbers were off the charts, despite the fact that he, he doesn't throw as hard as what is what you'd think he does because he just strikes at everyone, but I, I guess it's like a his fastball, his fastball spin is uh high as well. So yeah, his velocity is at 95. Yeah, his velocity is right there around what yeah, mid-90s is pretty good, but he the, the fastball spin on it, 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 you know, he's got a really good um spin rate. So that that's part of one of the reasons why that fastball plays so well. So he's his, his price in our drafts are probably gonna go down even more than what already was, but he, um 
going um, going to the closer situation, do you think he's got a shot to get some saves later on in the season? Or I, I think he's going to be down the pecking order when it comes to closing. I think the first guy who's going to get a get a shot to reclaim the job is. Uh, Jose LeClerc, uh, he had the same shoulder injury that Corey Kluber had last season. But we just talked to Chris Young, the GM of the Rangers yesterday, and he said that Jose LeClerc, uh, he's another guy dealing with a visa delay, but uh, he is coming into camp healthy. Uh, so there's no setbacks in terms of what he can do physically. It's only going to be how long is he delayed of getting into the country, getting into camp, getting his intake testing done and clearing all of that, then being able to actually work out. Um, Jose Clark is going to get the first shot at it. Jonathan Hernandez emerged as a really solid late inning guy last year. Uh, if you're looking for a late inning sleeper in a fantasy baseball league, uh, or, or I don't even know where he would be in the fantasy baseball realm, but Jonathan Hernandez is a really solid young late inning option. Uh, he pretty much handled the eighth inning very, very well last year. One of the bright spots for the Rangers and, you know, having the second worst record in baseball. So I'd say LeClerc, Jonathan Hernandez, uh, after that, it gets a little dicey, but I don't think DeMarcus Evans is going to be, I think he just needs to get some major league seasoning first before they start trying to put him into some really higher leverage situations. Fair enough. You said, um, and you, you talked about the international signing that they signed to a minor league deal. I'm not going to try and remember or pronounce the name properly, but do you think he, like because he's he's come all the way here, uh, he's mm-hmm. not coming for a minor league deal, probably, right? Yeah, I mean he's coming in to try to win a spot in the rotation, and so is <laughs> about ten other guys in camp. Uh, they have a lot of guys competing for spots in the starting rotation. Really, the only three that are really locked in are Kyle Gibson, uh, Mike Fultonevich, and uh, Koei Arhara. Uh, Jordan Lyles, you can pretty much pencil in too. He's just, you just kind of wonder where the club is with him. They did use an opener with him multiple times in 2020. So, uh, but I'd still pencil him into, into the rotation. And then there's a number of guys competing for a fifth spot. Yang is one of them. Uh, he's ultimately going for that. Now, whether he wins a spot on the roster and pitches out of the bullpen, whether the Rangers have 14 pitchers on their 26 man roster, or if they go 13, there's a lot of variables that go into it. So, but I know Yang is coming into camp and he's, he's, he's coming to compete for a job in the starting rotation. Right. So um, there's Dunning and then there's, you said Ari Hara is locked in or no? Yeah. Ari Hara is going to the Rangers need innings and he's a guy who can bring, who can give the Rangers innings. He could, he might be able to bring the most innings than anyone in the major leagues because he's probably one of the only people in the major leagues that threw like more than 150 innings last year, I think. Or Yeah. Yeah. One like of the that. few guys in the world who was able to throw that many innings last year, just because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So yeah, uh, with him, with him logging and, and already being, you know, ready for that workload. Yeah. The Rangers, I'm he. He very well could lead the Rangers in innings pitched this season. Uh, I would say Kyle Gibson and Mike Fultonevich might be there too. Fultonevich has regained his strength, uh, which you know also explained the um, the dip in velocity with the the Braves last year, which ended up. You said, you said it was something mental. No, something like he he lost he lost his strength like during the during the pandemic. He wasn't able to work out properly during the shutdown last oh. year which is one of the reasons like he wasn't able to get all the strength back whenever it came time to ramp things up. And obviously they had to ramp up very quickly last year. So, uh, so fucked up though. Like, is like, okay. So like 
the, the Braves knew that or no? Because they're like, okay, he pitched one or two games. They're like, okay, see you later, Mikey. I, I, I mean, honestly, I really don't – I mean, I'd have to talk to people in the Atlanta Braves organization or, or people who, who were around the team at that point. We're just going off of what, what Fulte told us a couple mm-hmm. – you know, a, a few days ago via Zoom. Just saying that he, you know, he had the he just wasn't able to put the put the strength back on in enough time. And you know, the Braves were obviously competing. They were trying to go for it last year, and uh, yep. you know, they, they didn't yeah, have time but, to waste for it with that, I guess. No, then yeah, and with all the options that they have, you know, in the rotation, yeah, they didn't have time to wait. Um, so you know, it's kind of understandable. It, it, it sucks, and it's one of the reasons why him and the, and the club decided to part ways. And you know, the Rangers could end up benefiting, you know, benefiting the rewards of that. You know, they they could end up getting a guy who is closer to the to the all-star he was in 2018. You know, if he has the same kind of velocity, he has that same strength built up like he did before. You know, even if they get a guy who's closer to the 2019 version who wasn't quite as good, uh, that's still a guy who can log innings for the Rangers. And again, more than anything, they just need guys to throw innings. You know, this year is not about the standings for Texas. It's about, you know, really evaluating and developing their young guys and what Fultonevich can do is he can give it, you know, he can just log innings because that's what the Rangers need more than anything from their starting rotation. Right on. Cool. So Dunning, Dunning is a guy that's being drafted ahead of all of the other options, everyone on the Rangers, like anyone locked in or not locked in, like way ahead of everyone. I'm thinking after reading some recent news and talking to you, that might be a huge mistake. It would be. Um, and it's not because Dunning can't do good things. He absolutely can, but he's going to be on an innings limit. And Chris Woodward would not give the number. Uh, Rangers manager Chris Woodward would not give the number of innings. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't know. Same thing for Kyle Cody. I, they, he said that they have a, they have a general idea. They don't have like a, like a, like a, X number, like 125 innings, you know, whatever it is. They don't have like an X number and he can't go a third of an inning over that. It's not anything like that. It's just, they are going to have an innings limit on him. This is a guy who's coming off of Tommy John not too long ago. He wasn't able to pitch the, the amount of innings that he needed to pitch in 2020 because of no minor league season, because of the shortened 2020 season. Now him and Kyle Cody, who, you know, both of them are in the same exact situations. Both of them, looked very very good in 2020 but they're both coming off of tommy john they're both coming off of not being able to pitch that much there's a reason why the rangers aren't going to be pushing them too hard they want to make sure they develop properly and they don't overwork them and possibly get them hurt again so both dane dunning and kyle cody while they can be good um something you want to do in the later rounds because don't expect them to pitch 150 160 170 200 innings that ain't happening how good, how good can they be? Like, I think everyone, everyone is sort of um, on Dane Dunning because he was, uh, he was sort of been higher profile because he was involved in the Lance Lynn trade, mm-hmm. but Kyle, Kyle Cody, honestly, like no one's like, he's less, um, he's less on the radar than like DeMarcus Evans. He's further down. He's further down the, the, the pipeline when it comes to the Rangers, but uh, I mean, he's in baseball America's top 30. He's in MLB pipelines, top 30 for the Rangers. And, Listen, I know the Rangers farm system is is pretty crapped on throughout the throughout the industry, but you know, you look at like I don't think anybody would argue that the Rangers have a lot of depth in their farm system. They just don't have a lot of impact talent. They don't have a lot of top, I mean, there's a reason why I think the most amount of top 100 prospect, you know, Rangers you're seeing in anybody's top 100 is 3 or 4, and usually it's one or two. Uh, but a lot of 
there's a, just about everybody throughout the baseball world is, is pretty much going to agree that the Rangers have a lot of depth. It's just, they're not going to get a lot, you know, as of right now, they don't evaluate for a lot of guys to become <laughs> the next Fernando Tatis Jr. or the next Ronald Acuna Jr. or anything like that. It's not, but Kyle Cody absolutely looked very, very good last year. And he has got the same, you know, Rangers fans will know he, he reminds me of Colby Lewis, which Colby Lewis didn't put up, you know, dominating numbers uh, with the, the World Rangers. Series, though. He was like, but, but he, he was a big game pitcher. And he just let absolutely nothing phase him on the mound, whether he was doing something good, whether he um, had a one, two, three inning or whether he got roughed up in an inning, he just walked back to the dugout, nothing phased him, ice in his veins, just kept going about his business. Kyle Cody reminds me of that type of a pitcher. That's what's got me excited about him. I think he's one of the bright, brighter spots in their farm system, whether the stuff continues to translate through, you know, into the major leagues. He's got a good slider. He's got a good fastball. If he can, you know, continually – work three, four pitches in there. I think he could be just, just as good as Dane Dunning. Uh, Dane Dunning obviously has a little bit, is a little bit more polished. Uh, the slider looks really, really good. Uh, he's, his control is uh, better than Cody's. So, and Dunning is going to rely on control. Uh, he doesn't have the stuff to, to blow hitters away. Uh, he is going to have to paint the corners. He's going to have to spot his pitches really well in order to succeed. And uh, if he can't control the strike zone, if he can't control where he puts his pitches, there's no reason why Dane Dunning can't be a, uh, a a good you know middle middle to back of the rotation starter in the major leagues. So what are, you, what are we looking at for innings? Like 100, 120 tops? Uh, it's hard to guess. Uh, I I would I would probably say just of of my own estimation because I I haven't been able to get any numbers from anybody. I would say probably don't go over 125 right now. Right. Uh, that would be my own guess. Uh, I'm going. You know, we just kind of found out yesterday that they're going to be on innings limits. So obviously we're going to continue to try to figure out, figure out information as camp goes along and see, okay, what's a good, what's a good gauge for, for Kyle Cody and, and Dane Dunning going into this year, uh, which also goes into a lot of other candidates for the starting rotation, how they possibly play a role in, in the team in 2021. I've uh, drafted Kyle Cody more than 10 times this year. So I hope he does well. I'm just, um, I'm not expecting much though. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a guy. Again, I don't think he's a guy who's going to blow you away, blow anybody away. Um, I don't uh, think he's going to. He's not there, but he's a big six-seven guy with that, that yeah. slider. He's got a nice slider. He does. He has a he's a really nice slider. He throws it for strikes. He gets uh, batters to chase him. Uh, he's just got to continue. He's got to be able to command his fastball uh, and make sure that doesn't get hit too hard. Uh, and you know, really, he needs to continuously mix in you know a third pitch pretty consistently and. I think that's something that just about any baseball coach would tell you. You have to be able to throw more than more than two pitches in order to start in Major League Baseball. Does he have a uh, third? Uh, yeah, I mean he throws a throws a changeup. I have to. You know, I can actually pull up his uh, baseball savant here. I was looking um, at his baseball savant this week, and yeah, um, man, he he's making, it's hard it's hard to remember all the stuff off the top of your head. <laughs> he's making some good players look foolish. Like he struck out Mike Trout on a slider, and Mike Trout yeah. like wasn't even close. Altuve just he got him like. He made Altuve look like an idiot. He got Rendon looking like mm -hmm. he, like he, he could be I legit. Mean, he could be well, like, listen. He, he threw twenty-two and two-third innings last year with a one fifty-nine ERA. That's that's no joke. Uh, yeah, he also throws the he throws the sinker and he throws a changeup. Uh, and I'd say a pretty even mix. Uh, slider thirty-seven percent of the time. Four-seam fastball thirty percent. 
uh, sinker 20 and a half percent and change up uh, 12 and a half percent. So pretty even mix. Uh, just the sinker's got to, he's got to throw the sinker a little lower just from seeing the, the charts and everything here on baseball's Avant. He's got to throw the sinker a little lower, but uh, I, it looks like he primarily might use that against uh, left-handed hitters, you know, breaking away from them. Uh, actually, no, he kind of evened it, evened it pretty good. 34 against right-handers and 42 against left-handers. So a little bit more against lefties, but. Right. You know, so do you, think, do, you, do you think they can do a six-man rotation to start off with? They, they're not opposed to it. We actually talked to Chris Woodward about that today. Uh, they are not opposed to a six-man rotation. I, how strongly they're considering it, I think it's still early. Uh, full squad workouts haven't even started yet. You know, obviously, you know, Cactus League games don't start until a week from Saturday. So um, I think they're at least contemplating the idea. Um, again, again, with all of the guys they have uh, competing for spots in rotation, uh, I'm actually coming out with uh, my starting rotation preview, uh, which I'm splitting up, splitting all the guys who are competing up into three tiers. I've got blocks. Uh, guys who were kind of like on the bubble and then the guys like, you know, Hey, you know, it could happen, you know, but probably further behind. And, you know, you're looking at guys like Taylor Hearn who pitched really well out of the bullpen for the Rangers last year, a uh, guy who can throw, you know, really good fastball slider combo from the left side. Can he mix in the change up? He thinks he can. Uh, that's a, that's a good guy. Obviously you got Yang who's coming over uh, Colby Allard who got roughed up as a starter last year. He's made some adjustments. Is he going to be able to, um, possibly bounce back and pitch in the rotation. Wes Benjamin was another, is another Southpaw option. And then you've got Joe Palumbo and plus they've got uh, Jerrell Cotton, you know, from, uh, you know, the Oakland athletics organization looks like he was going to be a mainstay in, in Oakland. And then, you know, Tommy John happened and now the Rangers are trying again, you know, with another Oakland product, they tried with AJ Griffin before didn't work out so well. And mm -hmm. now they're going to try with cotton and see if, uh, see if that works out, but you know, they got a number of guys competing uh, in the rotation. So, if they go six man to, to, you know, help limit, you know, the innings of guys like Dunning, guys like Cody, uh, guys like Taylor Hearn, you know, if they don't want to push Hearn too much, then yeah, six man rotation is definitely a possibility. Right. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Rangers to go six man just because um, they, they're, they're limiting the innings of some of them and they want to see what a lot of them, they want to see what multiple different pitchers can do. And it's not like they have someone anchoring that rotation at the start of it, like Lance Lynn, that they want to make sure starts every fifth day like yeah. no like no offense like um Kyle Gibson like who really cares if he starts every sixth or fifth day like he's nothing I, like you know what I mean I think I think you know and again if, if I were projecting the rotation if they were to go with a six-man rotation I don't necessarily think that Kyle Gibson would only be restricted to every sixth day I think you know, because if there's an off day in there and he's got to wait a week, you, you don't want there to be for, for a guy like Gibson, who's pitched in the major leagues since 2013, you don't want a guy like that to, I mean, remember, this is a guy who's under contract through next year, through 2022. So this isn't a guy who, okay, well, he's off contract at the end of the year. He can walk, you know, no big deal. You know, the Rangers are invested in Kyle Gibson the same way they were invested in Mike Miner, the same way they were invested in Lance Lynn. So yeah, Kyle Gibson is not, you know, there's not as much being invested into in terms of development, obviously, like some of the younger pitchers, but they're not going to forget about him either. You know, as a matter of fact, he's probably going to be the opening day starter. So I think they'd figure out ways to have him jump guys in the rotation every now and then if they were to go with a six man rotation. Um, but every, you know, every single time, no, probably not. But I, I think 
like I said, I think if you're going with guys who are going to start the most amount of games for the Rangers, it'd either be Gibson or Arhara, maybe even Fultonovich. But right, okay, cool. So the other question we had is on the catchers, um, mm-hmm. jo- uh, Jonah Heim, and then there's um, you got Huff and you got Trevino. What are the chances of Heim winning the job, and how much time do you think Huff's going to spend in the major leagues? Like, if um, I'll ask you, I'll, I'll ask you an over and under after you after you respond to that. Uh, so Jose Trevino, I, I'm about 95% sure he's going to be the every, you know, the, the primary catcher, uh, okay. maybe even a guy who can push hundred starts if he stays healthy. Um, I'd say 90 starts is a pretty good, uh, pretty good gauge right now, but I would say even, I mean, this guy is very, very invested. He's a really good team guy. Uh, he is absolutely ready to go. He's ready to be a leader on this team. Uh, Jose Trevino is a guy that the Rangers really, really like, and they love the way the, the kind of the, he stands for a lot of what the type of culture that the Rangers are trying to establish right now. So, I mean, and he took, you know, took, um, some steps forward with the bat last year. Uh, his defense has always been there. He won multiple gold, gold gloves in the minor leagues. Uh, but if his offense, you know, if he becomes a, you know, a one or, or, or two win, I, you know, I would say if he becomes like a one win offensive player you know, at the plate, that's absolutely a win for the Rangers. Uh, just because if he can hit decently, um, then given what he, the, the report he has with the pitching staff mixed with what he can actually do behind the plate in terms of controlling the running game and blocking pitches and uh, framing pitches, uh, everything like that, Trevino is the guy. But Jonah Heim is going to come in. Uh, he's going to, I mean, I think, honestly, we were looking at possibly non-roster invited Drew, Drew Butera possibly being the backup for Trevino. But now with Heim in camp, I think Jonah Heim has a, a, a serious leg up on being the number two catcher. Uh, whether he jumps Trevino, I, I seriously doubt it. Uh, and then when it comes to Sam Huff, uh, there they, he, he needs some more seasoning. I mean, Granted, the 10 games he played in last year for the Rangers, uh, he looked really, really good. Uh, a, l- a little rough at first, but again, this is a guy who was one of several Rangers who jumped from single A to straight to the major leagues last year. So you were going to expect uh, <laughs> you know, to, it to be a little bit rough, especially with a guy who uh, doesn't control the strike zone very well, uh, who just has a lot of raw power and needs to learn to control the strike zone. But he made adjustments very quickly and was able to – show some of that raw power uh and he's for six four he's a very athletic guy behind the plate he can catch i think he's proving to scouts that he can catch uh even despite his big size but he still needs some seasoning at the plate um yeah i mean this is a guy the rangers don't want to rush because they want the proper development because they could see him becoming a mainstay in the lineup eventually speaking of um players getting brought up i think from a high a um anderson tejada like yep. they, they they've, they've they're kind of clearing the way for these guys like jung and tejada i'm asking you when do you expect them up because i expect jung up um sorry i expect tata up before jung and like they got rid of uh, uh, alvis andres and um odora like man they gotta just dfa him or they got they gotta just like wave him and hope somebody claims him which no one will um, no, I'm, that would that would be eating money. I mean, he's still under contract through next season. So that believe me, I have had plenty of Rangers fans come at me on Twitter and be like, "When are the Rangers getting rid of Rudin Odor?" Um, listen, 
this has been going on for a few years now. And I can tell you, I, I have no confidence that the Rangers will move on from Odor until they can move, get out from under the contract. Whether that means that they have somebody else like Nick Solak who can come in absolutely 100% claim the second base job and they don't need Odor. And then Josh Young comes up and he, you know, whatever, whether it's June or July or whenever he comes up and he makes his major league debut and takes over third base. And now they're running out of spots to put Odor and now they've got to figure out a way to dump his contract until that happens. Odor is not going anywhere. Um, so that, that, that's just from everything I've seen, you know, I, I, I have yet to believe otherwise with what I can tangibly put my hands on. You know what they should do um, because they traded, um, Alvis Andres for Chris Davis um, on the A's. And I don't even know if they're going to keep Chris Davis. They haven't answered that, that afterwards. They should trade Odor to the Orioles for the other Chris Davis. <laughs> that contract and just get rid of him. And, yeah, and, and release both and, and release both David, but release both grow both Chris Davises and make it rain Chris Davises. And, uh, <laughs> and um, the K and the C. Juan Anderson, Dehada, yeah. and Josh Young play. Uh, yeah. So, or I'll I'll tackle Anderson Tejeda first. Uh, Tejeda um, showed some good stuff last year. Showed more maturity at the plate than people anticipated, than even Chris Woodward anticipated. And I remember specifically asking him about that last year, and even you know Woodward saying, "Yeah, I mean, I, I was I don't think any of us were expecting this level of maturity yet." He still swings at way too many pitches. In the, I mean, you thirty nine percent strikeout rate. Yeah, you cannot swing at that many pitches in the major leagues because then pitchers have no reason to throw a pitch into the strike zone. Absolutely no reason. If you're if you then show pitchers that you're not going to swing at anything unless it's in the strike zone, then that changes the entire game. But until he learns that, that so I actually disagree. I think Josh Young makes his major league debut or before Anderson Tejeda comes up in 21 uh again it's hard to gauge what the rangers are going to do based off of what they did in 2020 because 2020 was so unprecedented of a season and the rangers got out of it before before the trade deadline at the end of august and so since they were out of it they just decided to completely flip the switch and be like okay we're gonna let all the young guys play and that's why that's whenever they brought up you know a guy like leody Tavares, who they weren't originally committed to giving that many at bats to and you know playing 33 out of 60 games and showed what he can do with the bat um Anderson Tejeda didn't quite show as much with, with the bat while he showed more pop definitely didn't show the same patience that Tavares did didn't show uh the same maturity that Tavares did and so because of that it's kind of kind of like a, a really fast burning flame it's kind of like lighting paper on fire instead of a log it's going to burn really, really bright, really hot, really fast. And it's going to burn out really quickly while obviously you want the law, you know, I'm, you know, here in Dallas and having a lot of experience in burning stuff right now with how cold everything's been here. We've been oh, burning, yeah. a lot of, burning a lot of fire and everything like that, burning a lot of, you know, wood and paper and everything. So um, excuse me, I'm using that metaphor right now, but uh, yeah. So Tejeda, again, I really, really like what he sees. He has a really strong arm. Uh, he can play second base, but he actually is better on the, the other side at shortstop and third, uh -huh. uh, just because you want to utilize that arm. But you have Isaiah kind of left at shortstop, who just won a gold glove at third base last year. Profiles just just as well as a shortstop as it is a third baseman because he has the kind of range to play short. Uh, and then eventually Josh Young is going to play third base. So and Josh Young is showing everything with the bat 
there's a reason why he's the number one prospect in the organization on multiple publications. And it's probably going to be the reason why he's going to be the third baseman come June or July. June or um, July is what you're saying? Yeah. That's what, that's what I think. I mean, obviously if the Rangers are going to do what clubs do with, you know, manipulating service time, they got to wait until some point in June. I don't remember what the exact date is this year, uh, but some point in June where uh, they get enough of the year where it doesn't actually count as a year against the service time. So they get an extra year essentially. Do you think you could be comparable to like an Alec Baum, like what he did last year? Uh, I mean, potentially. I mean, it just the, the the thing with Young more than anything is he was a, he was a mainly a, a contact hitter who who had the power at Texas Tech, but he played more as a contact hitter. And the Rangers have tried to get him to tap into that power. Actually, usually try not to try to get hitters to not pull so much you want them to be able to hit the other way with young they're trying to get him okay start learning how to pull the ball so you can tap into your power and he's starting to pull the ball now he can still hit the other way because he's a really good contact hitter. he's probably the best bat to ball skills in the in the entire farm system um maybe even in the entire organization now if you look at the major league roster uh but he i mean you're looking at a possible good hitter and a guy who can if he can just field his position at replacement level or a little bit above re- replacement level. I mean, becomes a really good hitter eventually, maybe by next year or 2023. I mean, that's a borderline all-star that the Rangers could possibly have in young. Nice. So what, what are your expectations for Tejada? Like, what do you expect? What do you expect him to be up? Uh, probably maybe around the same time, but it might be a little bit later uh, than young. Uh, it just depends on if the Rangers have a need. Uh, they yeah, don't injured because they can move so to the outfield. If yeah, yeah, I mean they can move so. David Dahl gets injured, you know that's kind yeah, of- but he, but even then, but he, yeah, yeah, I mean David Dahl's getting injured is a possibility. Obviously the Rangers, but even then the Rangers have Willie Calhoun, who Chris Woodward has challenged him to want to play left field, not only settle for being a DH. Mm-hmm. So if something does happen with David Dahl, Willie Calhoun will more than likely slot right in at left field, and then they have Chris Davis who. The Rangers are don't they do not plan to do like what they did when they traded for Austin Jackson a couple of years ago, uh, and they just like trade for him then automatically DFA him. Like no, they're bringing Chris Davis into camp, and Chris Davis is going to compete for a spot. So um, right now, the Rangers, when it comes to that left field position and why moving Solak there is not an option right now, is because right now they got three guys fighting for two spots when it comes to left field and DH. Right. Uh, you know, between David Dahl, Willie Calhoun and Chris Davis. So, and uh, you know, if Nick Solak takes over second base and he becomes the mainstay there, then, you know, Tejeda is not going there. If Isaiah Counterfleth is healthy and he's continuing to build off of what he did offensively last year and become, you know, a, a better, better hitter, maybe hits a little closer to eight to an 800 OPS, then, okay, he's a mainstay at shortstop. And then, you know, maybe the only other place is if like Culberson can't do the job or Brock Holt can't do the job or Rudin Adore can't do the job at third base, then maybe they bring up Tejeda since he already has the service time. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually that spot's going to be for Josh Young anyway. Uh, and then also so like from playing second base, like just the money that they're paying Odor. Well, I'm sorry, say that again. What's stopping them from putting Solak at second base? Oh, no, right right now he is the leading candidate to play second base. So the only, Odor is the utility boy. Yeah, oh, well, even that, I mean, I think really realistically the only two places that Odor can play is second base, third base, and maybe they could put him in a corner outfield spot, but he's not going in the right field because Joey Gallo just won a gold glove in right field and sure. had the most defensive run saved of any outfielder in baseball. So he's not moving anywhere. And then, again, left field, you've got Willie Calhoun, David Dahl and Chris Davis who can all play left field. So I 
doubt Ruben Odor gets any at-bats there. So the only place that I could see Odor getting at-bats second or third. Um, and again, as long as Nick Solak can fill the position uh, and hit, and, you know, Nick Solak's got good bat-to-ball skills. It just He just needs to hit a little bit a little bit better, like closer to what he did in 2019 than rather what he did in 2020. And if he does and he feels his position, then Nick Solak's a second baseman. Uh, and again, third base, it's just, it's a, it's a void that's just waiting for Josh Young. They're just waiting for Josh Young. To Can play. we worry about Solak's power in um, the new stadium? Uh, well, if Joe Adele's in right field, then maybe Joe Adele can keep knocking him off of his glove over the fence and then everything will work out. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, with the, with, with the new ballpark and, and, you know, it playing more neutral than uh, Globe Life Park did. Um, and, yes, there's Globe Life Park and Globe Life Field, and it's just as confusing for people here in Texas as it is for people outside of Texas. Uh, Globe Life Field is the new stadium. So, um yeah, Globe Life Field is definitely more neutral. Uh, and so, but again, you know, if Nick Sola can, you know, hit it into the gaps, like, may, yeah, he might only be like a single home run, you know, maybe he only hits eight or nine home runs. Mm -hmm. uh, but if he can, again, if they can kind of get the same thing out of Sola that they're trying to get out of Young, maybe tap into that power a little bit more, maybe pull a few more uh, down the left field line or straight to straightaway left field, maybe he hits, you know, three or four more home runs and he gets in, you know, to the 10 to 15 home run range. I don't think Nick Solak's ever going to be a 20 homer guy. And if he plays second base, he's, you know, you don't need a second baseman to be a 20 homer guy. Right. Um, as long as he feels his position well, uh, hits between 10 to 15 home runs, I think, you know, you're going to, and, and for a guy who can hit with, who can hit uh, for contact pretty well, like Solak has hit along the line pretty much, then they're going to get everything they need out of Solak. Now, um, in terms of stolen bases, is Woodward a guy that likes to let people run? Because I would see Solak Absolutely. and um, Absolutely. running. What, what, what do you expect them? What do you expect from them in terms of their, their stolen bases for fantasy? And after you answer that, what do you do? You see any Oscar Mercado risk in Tavares in terms of just turning into a pumpkin? So, well, first off, when it comes to Tavares, he's probably outside of Josh Young, the guy that I am personally the most excited about for the Rangers when it comes to their prospects. If anything, I would even say the potential for like, like superstar potential is just as high with Tavares because of what he can do already defensively. Um, and he's shown some growth in terms of, finding the art of stealing bases. And yes, Chris Woodward absolutely likes to have his guys steal bases. He likes his guys to be aggressive on the base paths. Uh, it's been that it was that way in 2019. It was that way again last year, and it will continue to be that way this year. Um, so I would definitely look to see Taveras lead the team in stolen bases, uh, an actual number. It's hard to quantify that right now because it's been so long since I've seen an actual it, 2019 feels like a decade ago, right by now. Uh, but I would say 30 bases, 30 stolen bases is absolutely in, in the realm of possibility for Leody Taveras. Um, it just depends on how, how often he gets on base and then how often they really want him to try to steal. Uh, and the, the only questions that they have around Leody Taveras is what he can do at the plate. Now, last year he came into spring training 2.0 in the summertime, showed some serious maturity, uh, some serious growth in maturity at the plate in his approach and his ability to uh, not only make contact because the, the bat to ball skill has always been there, but it's actually getting to 
to the point where he's able to drive the ball harder. Uh, his exit velocity was up, up, up above expectations last year. If he can continue to build off of that and he can continue to grow offensively, I think he's already probably one of the top 10 defensive. No, I would even argue top five defensive center fielders in baseball. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I don't think that's an outlandish statement that might sound a little like, oh, man, you're a Rangers beat writer. So, you know, you're going to, you know, no, I'm, I'm serious. Leo Tiveras is already that good defensively. Uh, he glides to the ball. Right. I, I mean, he just, I mean, he, the only thing that you're going to have to watch out for him defensively is kind of the same thing that would happen with Elvis Andrews. He can make the, the insane plays, but sometimes the, the routine ones can become a little, um, you, you hope that those, you know, errors that happen on plays that should be kind of routine. Like I think Tavares is one of Tavares's errors last year was a, a catch. You're kind of like, wow, you kind of expect him to make that because of all the other things he can do. Um, so that would be the only thing I would watch defensively. But other than that, I think he's, if I were to, you know, if somebody were to ask me, you know, to put a hundred dollars down, whether Leo Tavares wins a gold glove in his major league career, I would absolutely bet a hundred dollars that he wins a gold glove. I think he's that good of a good, that good of a defensive center fielder. The biggest question with him is, can he become a, a decent hitter? Can he become a, a good leadoff hitter? Can he draw more walks? Uh, and everything last year showed that he became a more mature hitter. So he, he becomes that mature hitter, continues to grow off of that. If he can get on base, if he, he can have an on base, you know, between 360 and, and, you know, 380, you know, anything north of that would be, Absolutely great for the Rangers. That's a pretty high on base. So I forgot to ask you when we were finishing the the catcher conversation. I'm going to give you an over under 250 plate appearances for Sam Huff. I'd say under. Yeah. yeah, I'd say under. Just because I don't know, I don't think Sam Huff is going to be on the same track uh, as like Josh Young this year. Not only because there is a spot waiting for Josh Young, and there is not a spot waiting for Sam Huff. Uh, unless injuries happen, unless Jose Trevino goes down with an injury or Jonah Heim goes down with an injury um, and they absolutely need Huff to come up, uh, then, no, I, I mean, if Trevino and, and, and Heim can, can stay behind the plate and stay healthy, I would think that the earliest you possibly see Sam Huff is maybe after the trade deadline. I think they really, really want to take their time with him. They really want to make sure he's seasoned. I, I mean, he's probably starting in double-A Frisco, so – I would definitely, definitely think that it's going to be after the trade deadline, like I said, barring injury. Um, so I know why he gets 250 plate appearances, if that's the case. Right. So the other question we had from um, on Twitter was from my good friend, Dave McDonald, who was uh, chiming in um, and also from, and another one from Nathan Grimm. And Dave was asking if Lowe's going to be platooned. And similarly, Nathan was asking can Ronald Guzman be someone because he was killing it in the Dominican league this year? Yeah, he was the MVP uh, of the Dominican winter league. So um, there, I think it's the same thing as that it was uh, in spring training last year in spring training, it was a competition between Ronald Guzman and Greg bird. Uh, neither one won the competition in either spring training, uh, whether it be the spring training that was eventually cut short because of the COVID-19 pandemic or the spring training 2.0, once things got revamped, you know, vamped back up again. Um, the Rangers need somebody to, to take hold. <laughs> they did not get that last year. They need Nate Lowe or Ronald Guzman to, to take over. Uh, that will not be a platoon. It'll be one or the other. Um, they are, they already have too many guys that are going to be uh, that they can put in into the DH spot. 
Um, so they're and plus both Low and and Guzman are left-handed hitters. So it's not like you you possibly have a righty lefty you know situation. You know, and you go 13 pitchers and you have you know four guys on the bench and you can have one of them be a platoon first baseman. That's not going to happen. Um, so it's not like you can put Guzman and you know at first base and put Low at DH unless Chris Davis just can't hit anymore, uh, unless Willie Calhoun um, just can't get over what happened last year mentally, or he just, or he gets injured, you know, whatever else happens, uh, I, that is not a platoon situation. So it's either going to be Nate Lowe or Ronald Guzman. I think the Ranger, Rangers fans want Guzman to be that guy because he's already kind of a fan favorite. He's an easy guy to root for. He's always smiling, always got a big smile on his face, got a good energy when he walks around the clubhouse. Um, really good team guy, but he's just got to put it together at the plate. Um, and yeah, the Rangers are very, um, <laughs> they're very happy to see what Guzman was able to do over the winter and to see where he's at mentally right now. If he can be a late bloomer, I mean, this is, this would not be the first time that the Rangers had a late bloomer, you know, from the Dominican Nelson Cruz. Anybody remember that guy who's still playing in the major leagues now? Uh, he was a late bloomer when the Rangers, you know, after the Rangers acquired him, he was a late bloomer and he became a huge part of their uh, 2010 and 2011 teams that went to back-to-back World Series. So it, does Ronald Guzman become that next late bloomer? Possibly. If he just flipped a switch this winter and then all of a sudden he's becoming the, the hitter they've wanted him to be and need him, needed him to be to mix what, what, with what he can do defensively, then it's not a question that Ronald Guzman is the guy. But that's, there's a reason why they traded for Nate Lowe they see Nate Lowe as a potentially more consistent hitter as of right now. And so if Nate Lowe can feel his position and become a consistent hitter, like, and get an opportunity with the Rangers, then it'll be Nate Lowe. So the right bottom line, the Rangers need somebody to win that job, but it'll be one or the other. It won't be, won't be a platoon. Maybe Guzman pulls uh, Dominic Smith this year. And maybe, I, yeah, I know. That, over. He's, he's was, was Dominic Smith, perhaps. It was, uh, it was a big situation. Yeah. The, the, what, what it, what happened with Donald Smith last year in the, is what the Rangers need. That they, the, yeah, that's that's a really good comparison. It's what they need. All right, let's end it off um, on predicting the lineup, the batting order. Um, okay. Predict, give me the batting order on opening day, and then batting order once all those prospects come up, like in July. Oh boy. Okay, so I'm gonna write it out real quick. So I'm gonna have. Uh, oh man, you're gonna make you know put me on the spot. Okay, so put you on the spot. This was in our agenda. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So I'm going to have Taveras leading off number two hitter. I'm going to say Isaiah Connor for left of bats two. Okay. You can change your mind. No, yeah. no, no rush on this. We can just take our time. The Rangers really, really like uh, to keep Gallo comfortable. Um, he is the guy that probably has the most star potential on, on the entire team right now. Uh, okay. Not only with what he can do defensively, but we've seen how far he can hit a baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say Tavares leading off. Isaiah kind of hitting second. Then I would probably say like a guy like I'd maybe, maybe say David Dahl batting third and then Gallo batting fourth because they want to keep Gallo in the cleanup spot. Gallo likes to bat cleanup. Fifth, I'm going to say Chris Davis becomes the DH. Okay. And I'm going to say he bats fifth. He gives Gallo a little bit of protection, especially against left-handed pitching. He was at fifth, Trevino batting sixth. Then um, I'm going to have Solak seventh at second base. And then whoever wins at first base, 
whether it be Nate Lowe or Ronald Guzman. Right now, I'm leaning Nate Lowe. Uh, Nate Lowe batting eighth, and then whoever is playing third base batting ninth, whether that be Ruben Odor or Brock Holtz or Charlie Culberson, either one of those guys. Uh, hard to tell right now. Third base is like almost impossible to predict right now. If I were guessing, I'd maybe say Culberson right now or Odor. Um, but let's just say whoever's playing third base is going to is going to bat third, bat ninth. Right on. It's pretty um, terrible because third base should be your one of your best hitting spots. <laughs> so what about midseason? What do you expect? How do you expect us to evolve midseason? Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see. Well, Jong, I think you're going to have to put it somewhere, but I'd like to see Anderson Tejada in here somewhere midseason. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm gonna leave so that, that, I don't want. I want to leave that up to you. I don't want to. I don't want to make. I don't want to make your decision for you. No one yeah. Um. It. It'd be. It'd be a little. I'd maybe say. Um. You know, Willie Calhoun probably gets in there in a regular basis, some, in some sort of way. And I would even say that that DH spot where I put Chris Davis, that could be pretty much a platoon. Which yeah. I know it's kind of weird to platoon your DH, but I mean, Calhoun's a lefty. Chris Davis is a righty. I mean, Chris Davis can hit left-handers. Calhoun is going to be way more comfortable against right-handed pitching based off of what happened last year, getting struck in the jaw by Urias in spring training, you know, left-handed pitcher never was never the same. And hopefully that changes, but um so I would say obviously the biggest change is going to be Josh Young at third base. He would probably slide up, a, you know, a little bit. I don't think the Rangers would automatically throw him into the fire and put him straight into the middle of the lineup or anything like that. Probably ease him in. Maybe he bats seventh. So then maybe uh, maybe first base slides down uh, to ninth. So like Nate Lowe would be like the ninth hitter and then Solak would slide down to batting eighth. And then mm-hmm. Josh Young probably batting seventh, playing third base. It's weird um, to think of Nate Lowe as a number nine hitter. I mean, well, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it for yeah. me. Like he's a, he was a top prospect, heavy bat, like hits yeah. the ball probably hard. Yeah. Anyone. He might hit the ball close as hard as Joey Gallo does. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and, and, and to, to be totally honest, when it comes to guessing the lineup with how often Chris Woodward juggled the lineup last year, it's hard to get a gauge on what he likes to do. Um, I know kind of like with each player kind of where he usually likes to put that guy in the lineup. Like, for example, I, I like, you would think a guy like Joey Gallo who they want to get more at bats. Like maybe he does bat second or third, but he's clearly comfortable batting cleanup. And so if he's comfortable batting, batting cleanup and Chris Woodward likes him batting cleanup and he's going to bat cleanup, even if, you know, the, the trend nowadays to have the, the Mike Trouts, the Tatises, the Acunas, the, the best hitters on each team to bat second, like that's the trend nowadays. Yeah that doesn't look like what, what the Rangers are going to do with Gallo. Now, could that change this spring? Could that change this year? Possibly, but I haven't seen any evidence of it. And until we start Cactus League games, you know, I have no reason to believe that'll change. What you're saying makes a lot of sense. I'm just saying that like somebody has to go down there. The only guy I can yeah. maybe see is Kiner Falafel, Kiner Falafel going yeah. down, maybe moving him down near the bottom and, yeah, it's it's possible. I mean, maybe, it, depends, maybe. I guess it depends on how they perform, but um, that's what I wanted yeah. to know. That's like that's what I was asking you. That's that's your opinion. That's what your opinion is, and it's what what you said makes a lot of sense. And I'm just saying, and, and you're absolutely right because you know you could put in like if Nick Solak's contact like really plays better this year, like if he becomes a much much better contact hitter and even a guy who can drive it a little bit better than Connor Falefa, then maybe Nick Solak becomes like your number two hitter, and then they move Connor Falefa back down into the bottom third of the lineup. It just depends on how Kiner Falefa hits because if Kiner Falefa is like good for average but doesn't like pretty much only hit singles, doesn't hit a lot of doubles, doesn't hit a lot of homers, the power doesn't really translate very well, then yeah, 
he could be a guy that eventually goes down to the bottom third of the lineup. But right now, the I mean, he had the highest average on the Rangers last year. So, I mean, the Rangers need somebody at the top of the lineup who can hit the ball, who can get on base. And Connor Falefa absolutely took strides forward as a hitter last year. Uh, we all knew what he could do defensively, and he proved that by winning a gold glove. But he also became a pretty good contact hitter last year. Um, but maybe you, maybe the Rangers have somebody like maybe Willie Calhoun just absolutely takes over. He becomes the hitter that the Rangers needed when uh, they were trading for him when they uh, sold you Darvish to the Dodgers. And maybe Willie Calhoun slots in as that number two hitter. Um, maybe you know, yeah. And then and then that just starts the domino effect that leaves guys like Nick Solak and Isaiah Kiner Falefa to hit in the bottom third of the, the order. So, well, for worth, the roster resource has Kiner Falefa batting second. Okay, well, see, so I'm not the only one who's who's no, thinking that right now. So I, mean, I just uh, looked at it now. No, I'm always an argument. I'm just saying that there's a lot like yeah. slides down. They have, the only thing with them is they have David Dahl batting seventh. So okay. Yeah, I, I see. I, I can like, see. I don't. I'm not. Don't take it. Take, don't take roster resource oh, or anything. I mean, and honestly, I mean, and to be fair, and like like I even said, I think before we even started recording, trying to predict the Rangers roster is going to be one of the most difficult things to do throughout all of baseball this year because they have two spots compl- you know, locked for sure, and pretty much three with Jose Trevino, and then the remaining six spots are up for grabs in spring right. training. That is not a situation that is common in baseball and so with the rangers having that many open spots not only trying to predict who's going to be the who's going to be starting that position on opening day but then what the batting order is going to be it's it's a daunting task right now (laughs) no that's that's good that's good info that's good info and i appreciate that so i'll uh i'll let you go chris that's Um, great so i really appreciate you spending some time with me and um, a lot of the information you've given is um is is excellent for fantasy and we can it's very applicable um why don't you just uh, again remind everyone where where you're at on twitter and and where they can find you yeah uh, you can follow me at chris hallick uh c-h-r-i-s and then last name is spelled h-a-l-i-c-k-e um always uh tweeting updates uh with the rangers but uh, all of my work is at inside the rangers.com which is on the si.com domain the sports illustrated's fan nation um so you can always find all of my work there uh constantly updating everything spring training is underway uh everything right now is <laughs> i'm not in surprise arizona right now uh everything's zoom right now media restrictions are pretty much like pretty much no access out there so um but everything zoom calls we're talking with them every single day so we're getting updates on everything getting to talk to the manager to the coaches to the players and everything like that so getting all the information we can so all the all the work is going to be at inside the perfect well thanks very much chris thank you very much thanks for having me i appreciate it Thanks very much. Have a good night. You too.